Welcome to New Beginnings Family Center's podcast. We hope that you are inspired by this message today. Our desire is to make a difference in the things that matter most by serving and loving those around us. If you're looking for a place to connect or desire to start a new beginning in your life, then we invite you to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Please visit our website at mbfcfamily.com or find us on Facebook to learn more. Stay tuned as great things are happening in the lives of God's family. This message only revolves around two words. That's it. And these two words will change how you live your life. These two words will change how you deal with other people. It will change how you see God. But I'm not going to tell you what they are yet. So last time I spoke, I spoke on what's called destination theology. It's a term that people use to talk about the whole idea of salvation or this cross thing being a future time, place, and event, right? What I suggest or submit to you is that that doesn't become future. It becomes a now thing. It becomes a present tense in our life that when we follow Jesus, when we have this encounter, when we have this idea, it's not a reserved seating ticket event. It is a present tense thing that we become part of the cast not part of the audience. Last week, and I did not know he was going to do this this week, was communion. Last week, pastor spoke on communion. And I've been thinking about this whole present tense thing, this idea of presence. And there's a book that I've kind of been going off of, with, which his name is David Fitch, and he wrote a book called Faithful Presence. And he goes off of seven things, and I'll, that's a different day, but this, one of, the whole crux of his book is the idea that it's presence now. It's dealing with people now. It's not trying to think about the future or a someday when, but it's now. And so when, when Pastor spoke of communion last week, I want to add something to that. While I respect and agree 100% with the event we do at church, I would suggest to you that it's not a one-time event only. It's a this and that. It's a both and and, where it's not just once a month, once a quarter, whatever the church does, or once a week, it's not that only. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, it says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread. Jesus never says what this is. He just says, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He doesn't say what this is or how often to do it. He just says, do this. The word commune is in the Greek is koinonia, and it means to share. It doesn't mean to eat at a table. It means to share. The part of communion comes from the Latin word, which is the commune part, together, share together. So that's... If we get away from the idea, not that it's not right, but to, to add to it, that communion is daily. Communion is every time we break bread, every time we drink from the cup, every time we remember today, like Carrie said so eloquently this morning, do not take this day for granted because today is all we've got. So we can't be looking forward to communion next week because you can go have communion today with someone else. 
when you sit down at your table in your dining room, living room, family room, when you sit down on your couch next to whoever eating your TV dinner. We don't have those anymore probably, do we? So verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, which is really cool, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as, needed, as, as anyone had in need. That sounds like socialism, but that's not political yet, right? 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. One accord. I like that, right? Not different visions, one accord. And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food. So Jesus set an example to say, look, guys, do this in remembrance of me every day, everywhere you go. When you're breaking bread, think about me as a present tense kind of thing. Don't, don't wait for the temple because they didn't go to church like we do. That's not how that worked. They went to church on a much longer time frame. They didn't go every Sunday. That didn't exist. Okay? They went to temple like once a month. Why? Because they had to raise animals to kill them. Or they had to bring these sacrifices. It took them journeys to get to temple. It wasn't something they just did all the time. They even had priests to go do that for them. So they're not doing church like we do church today. But then he says, when, 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 when Paul says this in Acts, or sorry, Luke says this in Acts, daily, breaking bread daily. So as you're sitting down, wherever you go eat today, and it doesn't have to be elaborate. Just remember, do this in remembrance of me. So as you're breaking bread, as you're sharing with one another, koinonia, as you're communing with one another, think about me. Remember me in this conversation. Remember me in this relationship. That's what I'm asking you to do. That's the bigger step in communion. The song today, when, when uh, what was the second song? I don't remember. Uh, breathe, on, breathe on us, right? How many of you don't know that you do not breathe based on oxygen? Know, you might know that, right? You, you do not breathe based on oxygen. You breathe based on the amount of carbon dioxide in your body. So the amount of carbon dioxide that builds up in your body, your body says, hey, breathe that off. In an intimate relationship, you're close enough to breathe in that thing. God wants us in such closeness that we're able to breathe in oxygen, breathe in life. We're breathing out the carbon dioxide. We're breathing out what we don't need, and we're going to breathe in that thing, that, that life-giving air that he gives us. So in verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily with those who are being saved. I don't want us to think of communion as a one-time thing, although it can be. I want us to think about it as an everyday thing, as a present-day thing, as a, as a communion thing with everyone we're with. You know, the more times we see Jesus in our current situation the more times we begin to build our faith in what he's doing with us. We're, we need to be looking for things that are happening around us that God is involved in. 
And I've, I met with the pastor several times before he decided to say, yes, I'm going to come back to the church. And we had several lengthy conversations. And one of those conversations, I told him, I said, things have to be different when we go back. Have to be different. We can't keep doing the same things over and over and over again, expecting different results, right? They call it insanity. So then how are we going to do this thing differently? What does it look like? Because if we're, if we're going to say, well, not preach a different message, not preach a different gospel, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying we're going to wear pink tutus. But what I'm saying is begin to think differently about what we already know. Communion. Not just a one-off thing. It's a this and it's a that. So we look at Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, too, and I'll tell you why. So... 5.11 says this, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. I'm not implying you're dull of hearing. Not what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand me. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of only milk is unliked, unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those by reason of, of use have their senses exercised to both discern good and evil. Therefore, having said all of that, right? And by the way, when Hebrews was written, it was about a five-year period of who the, uh, they don't know who the author was entirely, but there was a five-year gap that they're implying that in five years' time, you should be at this point of teaching somebody else. Wait a minute. I think that means discipling someone, right? Mm, come on now. So if I'm going to teach someone what I know, I shouldn't take 35 or 40 years to get to that point. So then it says in verse 1, 6, 1, Hebrews 6, 1 says this, Therefore, leaving the discussion, we're not even having it anymore. Why? Because it's elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on. Let us move on. Build upon to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and internal judgment. Hmm. Those things should be normal. They should be elementary to us. We shouldn't keep rehashing what faith is. We shouldn't keep coming up here and saying, you have to have faith. No, you already do. So the question is, what do we do with that statement? I, when, I, when I talked to a pastor a couple weeks ago, he said, I think I need to talk about faith again. I said, no, stop. Stop talking about faith. And he said, why? I said, because of Hebrews 6.1. So the pastor and the elders have done an amazing job teaching about faith over the last decade. Think about that. Over the last 10 years, even longer, faith has been taught. We can't teach, well, we could teach more on it, but but why? In a house, when you build a house, you build a foundation, right? Which the Bible says build it on rock, not sand, because that's a good thing. I don't dig up the ground on my house to look at the foundation and keep rehashing it. I don't keep looking for cracks. I don't keep looking at the foundation saying, man, i got to keep going back to the foundation. No. I build on the foundation. 
I erect walls on the foundation. I put carpeting in. I paint the walls. I put drywall. I put roofing. I put all these things. Why? Because when I get done building on the foundation of my faith, I now have a place of refuge for people going through life storms. Right now, there is a, there's a couple places in the county that have just foundations in the ground, and they're just sitting there. And they're filling with water every time it rains. But man, that foundation cement. That foundation is firm. It's not going anywhere, but there's nothing built upon it. So if we as a church want to reach the community, if we want to become different, then we have to build upon the foundation of faith. So what does that look like? It looks like a couple different things. And here's my two words. Even though. <clears throat> Those two words will change your life. Because they changed Job's. So in Job 13, 5, he says this. Huh. Though he slay me, I will follow. It's some versions say, I will trust him. Even so, even though whatever God does to me, if he allows me to die, I will follow. Abraham, even though he asked me to kill my son, I will follow. Even though. Right? So if we're looking at other people, and we're saying that you have to have faith. You have to have all these pieces of the puzzle in place to get something, then we are wrong. That is not how God loves his people. God did not love his people to say, only if. God loved his people to say, even though. I didn't have to do anything for him to die for me. I did nothing. So if that's the case, it's not an only if. Even though I was a sinner, he still died for me. He still loved me, even though. Amen. So I bring this up because we have trials, we have tribulations, we have problems in our lives, right? We have two people that are missing. We also know we've prayed for healing that hasn't come. A lot of us have glasses in this place, which are I've, our vision is not perfect. We can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and things don't happen. We're like, why am I not healed? Why am I not perfect? Why am I not, why is things not happening the way I thought they should? Even though. Those two people may die. They might. Even though. Even though, my God. That is the difference. That we don't lose faith because what we don't see or we don't get or we don't have, even though. So there's a woman that I had in the back of an ambulance one day, and we were heading to Fort Wayne. She had a brain tumor. I saw the x-ray, had it in my hand, and she was in the back. And she said, you know what? I'm not going to die because people prayed for me. I said, whoa, whoa, let's not go there. We don't know that outcome yet. I said, but what you can do is know that while you're going through this personal hell, even though you're God, 
even though. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say I won't be there. It doesn't say we won't have trials. It doesn't say we won't always get what we want. But even though, my God, even though. You know, and some people will say that, that well, Job, what Job did, he caused it himself. Job did that himself. He brought that on upon himself. In our church setting, we love tearing each other apart. We love finding fault. We love finding reasons for everything. Part of it's our brain. Part of it's how we're wired. Job 2.3 says this. Oh, sorry, Mace. You had it right. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Oh, that means Job lost faith, and Job got all that crap done to him on purpose. God did all that to him on purpose. No. That is not true. I will stand on my deathbed, dying with a sword in my chest. That is not how God works. Because we go to the next verse. We go to 3, 4. And it says, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Hmm. There is no one, none like him on the earth. Wait, what's that word? Blameless and upright. So if we're going to get in the blame game, which we want to do, because God, we've got to make this make sense. So something obviously is wrong with you and your faith or you and your life to have this happen to you. That's not what that says. Job was blameless. God did not look at Satan and go, hey, boy, we got a guy who's got some fear, and we're going to destroy him because of it. Wait, wait, wait. We'll destroy his family because he had fear. That is not what that verse says. But what it does say is even though, and he still holds fast, even though. So what is God looking for? Is God looking for us to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? Or is he looking for us to be even though? So, I know it's 11.30, but I have a few more minutes, and I'll, be, and I'll shut up. He, uh, go to Hebrews 6 for me, Mace. Hebrews 5. I think I'm out of order, that's why he's... Okay, so Hebrews 5.11 says this. The 6, uh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Hebrews 11. Did I not put that in there? I didn't, did I? Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I missed a verse. I'm sorry. Pardon my awkward silence. So if we look at Hebrews 11, in verse 32... It says this, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me. That means there's not enough time to talk about the faith, right? Of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong of, out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, 
Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to attempt release that they might rise to gain a better life. Right? Some were tortured. Remember this. This is not a rose garden, which is a Marine Corps picture, by the way, in the recruiting office. They never promised me that. But here's the issue, right? So others, others in the faith, others, suffered mocking and flogging, chains, imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn in two. That would hurt. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, even though. Whatever was happening to them, wherever they lived, whatever they were, when they were being sawn in two, even though. So our faith has to take us from this place of belief in God to an even though. So how does that apply to people? Matthew 28, 20. And I'll end with this. So, oh shoot, I'm wrong. It's okay. The idea is to go and make disciples, right? Go and make disciples. Love the Lord your God and go and make disciples. Those two things. Okay? May show me the first picture that I have up for you. Ah, that is how the church wants to see God and life. Black and white. We have check boxes for everything, and we want to be able to say, are you in or are you out? Because it's black and white. Show the next picture even though. So when we're out today and we're, meeting, we're communing with people and they say, you know what? I just got divorced. I just lost my house. I just went bankrupt. I just lost my job, even though. That is the mess of the Christian life that God wants us to engage in and to say, you know what? Even though. Even though my, you're going through whatever, even though I'm going through whatever, my life isn't great, even though but my faith is, and I'm standing upon the foundation that has been built and laid brick by brick and block by block, even though, even though, even though those kids may not come back, that's my God. There's comfort, even though. I don't wish that. Even though. That's where we have to get to, because why? That's different. That's not the same message. So how can you be happy? How can you not be upset, even though? Because even though this has happened, I still have my God. That's the difference. And only when you behave in a different manner do the people say, that's not normal. So today as we go, let us think about those things. The two words about even though. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a, a wonderful day. We thank you for people coming together and communing with you. And, and us having the opportunity to break bread and drink wine and understand that it's you who are, we're, we're looking towards and, and being a part of. And Lord, as we go out, I pray that we look for opportunities to commune with others and look for ways to be involved in the mess and look for ways to tell somebody even though. 
And Lord, we do that to point them to you. And we do that to point them to what you can do with them. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.